The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. In order to feel better about ourselves and live the life we really want to manifest, we have to own up to our difficult feelings and self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. We all enter this world naked, and now it's time to feel good naked, no matter what your body size or your life circumstances. This is Feel Good Naked Radio, and your host is Lar Redmond. On this program, Lar will help you become more embodied, self-empowered, and mindful to take charge of whom you really are and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Laura Redmond. Hello and welcome back to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am your host, Laura Redmond, and I want to open today's show with the question that came through just now on the intro, which is, what is the life you want to manifest We have a very special guest today to help us with that question, as she has so bravely asked herself. And I want to just tell all of you out there that the beauty of this program is the support that is offered from experts in their fields that are manifesting the life that they want. And they're here as guides to help you do the same. And you you deserve that. Everybody deserves that. Something we lose sight of as we get caught in life and all the commitments we sometimes make that take us very far away from ourselves. So Feel Good Naked Radio, it's all about learning how to be more embodied physically, mentally, spiritually, and with that tools that you get to take with you after you listen to this and then pass on to your friends so we can all be more joyful and embodied in this very precious life that is short and fast and deserves to be lived with a vengeance. So with that, I'm going to introduce my guest today. I'm really honored and excited to have her back on the program when we were on the show together almost a year ago. We got great, great response from all of you. So she's back. Britt B. Steele is back. And if you missed the first show, I want to introduce her formally before she joins us in the dialogue today. Britt B. Steele has a master's degree in public health. She's a former clinical researcher at the University of Arizona and has been teaching yoga for nearly 25 years. Together, she and her husband built a yoga retreat center in the coastal foothills of Oregon. Britt is dedicated to bringing traditional yoga teachings into modern life and offering its wisdom in ways that are both accessible and inclusive. Britt is the author of Pilgrim, Living Your Yoga Every Single Day, and its corresponding 108-day virtual course. She has been featured in Mind Body Green, Elephant Journal, Mantra Magazine, Mary Jane's Farm, Yoga International, and was most recently featured as a soulful entrepreneur on Annapurna Living. 
Welcome back to the show, Brett. Thank you. It's it's an honor to be here with you, Laura, always. It's kind of neat to think about time and and the, you know, the time that's passed between the last time we were on the show together and now. And I was so honored to meet you recently and have some tea and talk about life and hear about this extraordinary journey that you took yourself on, which was what excited me about going live with you today to help others realize the options they may have to go deeper and to really understand that sometimes we've got to drop down deeper to know what it is that is right in front of us. So yeah. <laughs> I'd love for you to start addressing, um, just by addressing that one thought, you know, going deeper and, and what that was for you, what, what made you want to go deeper with, you know, you, leave, you, you live deep. So what took you down the road of wanting to take it to the next level? Gosh. Well, I will first say that um, over the course of my both personal and professional life, I have really longed to see how we are more alike than we are different. And so when I look at the word yoga, as I'm listening to you read my bio, (laughs) uh, maybe it would help the listeners to understand that where I come from when I speak about yoga is really in the true definition of that word. Because yoga, we often hear, is union or to yoke. And it is those things indeed, and it is also that which remains when everything that is separate falls away. So if we shed the skin of all the ways that we are different from one another, what remains is truly the yoga. So as an example, when I teach a mat class or when I practice yoga, as you know, most of the hundreds of thousands of practitioners in the West now experience yoga to be, when I practice or when I teach, I'm really using those poses and the breath practices and the experience of an hour and a half class as an example to get to the realization, to remember that we are yoga and that that's our true nature. So over the course of my life, when I've looked at what it means to go deep I'm looking at how do I continue to shed what is not going to sustain me when I'm 108 years old. It's just an example that I use in my own life. And how do I keep releasing what is not my essential nature, what is not who I am at the core of, you know, who I was when I really got here, when I came without a name, when we all came without even our names, Without our education, without our life experiences, we showed up here fresh and new. And ultimately, that's the same essence that we take with us when we go. And I want to be in touch with that all the time because I feel like whether we're insurance agents or stay-at-home moms or um, air traffic controllers or yoga teachers or coaches or guides and you know, CEOs of companies, it is that essence that when we are in touch with that, we are going to make the greatest and most positive impact while we are here on the planet. And so that's how and why I go deep, and that's what has led me, I suppose, to make 
the life decisions I've made and then most recently to to take a really huge step uh, to do what many know of as a vision quest. So that's that's how I'd answer that question. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think when you're called as a guide, which you are and which I am, yeah. the, the work that we do as authentic guides is constant, continuous, yeah. daily, minute by minute. The commitment is non-negotiable and that that is the only way to be an authentic guide and so I'm always really pulled to the stories of the teachers in this world like you who go to that next level or that next layer of the onion and peel it and and this is infinite. Like we, we will do this for the rest of our lives, for the for the rest of our breaths, for the rest of our existence. There will always be another layer to uncover, which to me is quite hopeful because none of us ever really get there, but we continuously unfold, uncover, unpack. And with that, there is such a beautiful evolution of self that then creates a much deeper teacher and a much more gifted guide. Mm-hmm. So if you can just tell us a little bit, because this is asking for a personal revelation, but I think it's helpful for the listeners and certainly for the students in the world that look to you as their teacher. When you're in that world that's your world, and there's so much magnetic energy around you all the time, I mean, just in the same room with you, sitting across from you, there's this energetic Field that is so beautiful and undeniable. So now you're inside of yourself and you're going through your own journey and you're thinking, I'm going to go alone into the forest by myself and contemplate what it may be that is my sacred longing and I want to hear the cry of my true desire. Right. Take, a, take us through the days or the weeks that lead you to that clarity, that that, that is now what you are going to do in your own unpeeling of that layer. What takes you to that? Because that is so brave. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, I'll, I'll first say that um, I feel like where we stand in our lives really determines the the bravery of it. I never felt brave because in this experience for me, I never felt afraid. It was a non-negotiable and it was something that was uh, incredibly clear to me that must happen. And it started when I was doing laundry one day uh, and I was listening to some goddess meditations. I was learning more about the yogic divine essence of of uh, the, the divine feminine, uh, listening to Sally Kempton's work. And she made a comment in this particular audio recording about how about being addicted to comfort. Hmm. And I've thought about addiction over the course of my life quite a bit because of my own family history with alcoholism. And I although that is not an addiction of mine, I realized in that moment I was stopped in my tracks while I was doing laundry and went, oh my goodness, I am addicted to being comfortable. If that is, if there is any addiction, it is that. And it was a huge aha moment for me. 
And then last November, I was um, leading a retreat uh, at Haramara, which I'm leading again this year, and I'm sure I'll lead again in the future, or leading again in 2018, and uh, at an eco-resort that has a lot of native uh, Indian, um, Mexican Indian, Mayan, Aztec, Indian practices, one of which is the Temescal, which is a sweat lodge. And so I went through this sweat lodge experience with my students that were there, and I really fell in love with the woman who, not in a sexual way, but just total sisterhood, fell in love with this woman who was the medicine woman who was guiding us through this experience. And she and I became fast friends, and over the course of time, we stayed in touch after uh, my leaving the retreat center, and I knew that I wanted to learn more from her. And experience and time, a couple of months later, I ended up with her again. Uh, my husband and I went back to the retreat center, just the two of us, and I knew that I wanted to follow the path of this uh, of these native traditions. I felt like there was something that was there for me, and I didn't know what it was. And the truth, Laura, is I didn't dare question it. I feel like we can fall back asleep when we start to ask ourselves too many questions in these intuitive moments. Mm-hmm. So I just kept saying, lead me, guide me. I honor and respect your path. Her name is Etika. And I said, just tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. I want more of this. I want more of what I see in you. And she said, I have this colleague from years past. It's not a public experience but I'll see, I'll see if I can introduce you to her. She does this sort of guide for women only, which it wasn't women only, but it was predominantly women in the mountains um, in central Mexico. And I said, I'm in, I'm sold. I'll do whatever I need to do to make that happen. And so I ended up back with this group of just under 100 people. Probably 90 of them were women uh, in in Mexico, and I hadn't spoken Spanish really since my days in college, um, you know, 20-some years earlier, and so the Spanish felt really foreign to me. I was just a, I was a white woman in a foreign land surrounded by uh, Mexican and Central and South American uh, people who were all there for this purpose, not all going on the mountain, but they were also there to support one another for the 20 to 30 of those individuals who were going to go on the mountain. And so I'll just say that what happened then is I knew that um, I was stepping into a multi-year commitment, and it was my understanding that I was going to the mountain not knowing if I would be accepted by the medicine woman or not knowing if I would be able to uh, quest this first year. And not having no idea what I was at all what I was getting myself into. I just kept saying, I'm here. I don't know why I'm here. I just know it's right was sort of my response to everything. And, um, and so that was, that's how I got there. Uh, and then I will just say that what happened then is I had to present myself to the medicine woman and ask for her. I had to, to present my, it's called your, your compromiso, your compromise, to go and do the quest. Um, and I was you know, not a moment of fear through this whole process. And the minute I walked up to her, I had to catch her alone, and I had to have, um, and I was speaking in English, and she, hopefully she would understand me enough. 
and um, I present tobacco to her in this in this time and, and moment. And I started walking toward her, and I freaked out and turned around and went back in the kitchen. Hmm. And I was like, I can't. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think I can do this. And and um, what what came over me in that moment is you are stronger than you think. And what I meant by that and when I knew what I meant by that when it came to me was what I think in my head is not who I am. And this fear is not you. Now go. Mm. And I turned around and went back out and I asked her for the, I asked her to quest. And the level of surrender that I now know and realized in those moments, it was huge. And I think it's with any time we step outside of our comfort zone, any time we want to grow as human beings, as we want to, to step into the next evolution of ourselves, we truly must live through the death of who we've been. And I could feel that death happening as I was stepping yeah. out to ask her, not knowing what was dying not knowing what was being born, but standing in that unknown. And so she didn't respond to me that I could. She just took it in. And then over the course of the following days, she was watching me, I realize now, and she was seeing what I was doing. And all I was doing was making guacamole and washing dishes and just doing my very best to release any attachment to it, to, to being able to quest. And, um, and literally... 30 hours, 36 hours maybe before we went on the mountain, um, before people started going up, she said, without saying so, you know, you can do this. I ended up in a meeting. I was invited to a meeting where people were questing, and I'm like, these are only people who are questing. And she, then I realized, oh, am, am I questing? And I asked one of the other people, I said, am I, am, am I questing? And they said, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was really... Um, releasing all my years of practicing and, or excuse me, of planning and, you know, making all of these grand schemes and laying things out and laying out my calendar. None of that worked there. None of how I had lived life worked there. I had to keep releasing and letting go and releasing and letting go of all the ways that I had shown up in order to just be alive in that ceremony that was happening Every breath, every meal that was prepared, every toilet that was cleaned, every you know bench that was flipped over to move the leaves off of it, or drumming circle that was happening, I just had to say, "I'm right here right now, and it's enough. This is enough. If this is everything, this is this is the whole thing." And and so I ended up being accepted to go on the quest. So that's mm-hmm. that's to answer your question. That's how I got to that point. Um, and I just knew, I'll just say this, as I said before, I had no idea why I was doing what I was doing it. Bless my husband through this time. I had no idea. Um, I, I couldn't explain to him. There were no words. I just knew I needed to do it no matter what would die. And so no matter what would be lost or what would be transformed. And so in that way, I just kept listening and taking one step and listening and taking one step, never knowing where I would end up, never knowing what would really be there. So that's, that's how I got there. 
Britt, I want to ask you so many questions about now that reality of being on this quest, but one thing I just want to repeat that you said in my language for listeners that is critical for anyone tuning in is that moment that you're listening to a spiritual meditation and you hear words that bring you into a deeper relationship with your own truth. And the words were addicted to comfort. Right. And so I bring that up because that's a really big takeaway for listeners that sometimes we don't know where the message will come from. You know, it could be driving, it could be something on a podcast, it could be something you hear from someone that's a stranger in a grocery store, but pay attention yeah. To that to that message that you feel within yourself that tells you what is the next thing that you must do. And this is something that I often find in my coaching business. People are so afraid of what that message is that they hear that they will work overtime to not adhere to it and so I I just want to say for everyone out there this is beautiful stuff when you get that message this is very important to hear it it will be scary sometimes and that's okay you're not alone but but know that that message must be heard and with that the next right thing will be right in front of you, as Britt is beautifully describing. So again, I just love the idea of giving a lot of support to listeners that whether you're doing laundry or driving or in a grocery store, if you hear that message that is meant for you, listen to it. Yeah, and if, may I piggyback on that? Please. Uh, the thing that I have learned is that we each, you know, as a, as a guide myself in this world is that our messages, you know, the messages come. It's like, oh, is that message for me? Your body does not lie to you. (laughs) So for me, it comes in the form of goosebumps sometimes. And I heard someone say, and I wish I could remember who it was, maybe 25 25 years ago, to a a group of women, um, you know, ladies, you can fake an orgasm, but you can't fake goosebumps. (laughs) And and I love that because... (laughs) It is true. The body comes through and says, pay attention. So for me, it's either goosebumps or I feel this jolt of energy in my spine. Sometimes I feel a well of tension in my throat or I literally feel like I am moved to tears. Others may feel any variety of things. They might feel like they're in a time-space you know, warp. They might feel like there's butterflies in their stomach. They might feel their heart begin to beat quickly. They might feel animated and excited when they speak about something. We have to learn what the language of our body is and then absolutely refuse to not deny that voice. Mm. So I completely agree with you. God, that's so cool because when you were saying that, I was thinking... For sure, the body doesn't lie. And the way I get it is a contraction in belly or a lifted shoulder or (laughs) a really stressed out brain or a 
insomniac night or a feeling of nausea or a feeling of low back tightness that is very specific to the lower right quadrant. So, 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 you know, here we just gave two different languages of that messenger trying to get through. And that's a beautiful thing to say to the listeners, like tune in to those signals in your body that are trying to get you to pay attention to something that may be really painful and hard, but so worth it. And as Britt said, Sometimes it's a death, but right after that is a rebirth. So mm-hmm. now, now take us into this forest. We, I, I, this is the part yeah. where I just go, oh my gosh, tell me. You're on this quest. You're going, you're in this completely isolated reality. Can you describe for us what that looks like? Wow. So I will first say, I know that it's incredibly different for everyone because, who is up there on the mountain because, um, because there were people I witnessed that went up before me who were, who'd done it in previous years and they were scared. They were really, really, really scared about going up again. They were, they had, they had told me stories about, you know, one was a man. He's like, I was doing everything I can to not leave my country and come here. I just, I was telling myself I couldn't do it, I didn't have time, you know, whatever. And I watched his whole energy body just just terror <laughs> as he was getting ready to go up. For, and maybe I'll have that this year or, or rather next year or the year after. But, but I didn't have any of that. So I think everyone is, is different who chooses to, to, do, to do this sort of work. And, um, and so... For me, what what happened is once I knew I was going to go up on the mountain, I was asked to do prayers. They're called rezos. And so 365 prayers that I I essentially place tobacco in in this little piece of fabric, and then I have to tie it on a continuous string without a knot. So there's a very particular way that the, the string is tied. And then that essentially becomes your fence, when you are planted on the mountain. So all the while, let me say, I was up on the mountain for, or I was in this encampment with this community, with this family. They call it a family, and it is a family, for almost a month. And and I was on the mountain in my planted, on my planted vision quest for four days and four nights, or really five days and four nights, essentially. And, and Britt, no one's with you, right? When you're in that four-day stretch, you're no, by no. yourself. Yeah, so completely by myself. What happens is we go into a sweat lodge. We wake up in the morning on the day that we're going, and we're given a very small meal. And um, then we prepare to go. We get our, our stuff together. And when I say stuff, I'm talking about get the clothes you're going to wear and um, so I wear contacts, contact lenses, no contacts, only glasses, because you can't bring your contact case or your contact lens. Um, and uh, I knew I wouldn't have the moisture in my eyes to maintain my contacts. I just felt that was going to be the case. So I w- wore my big old Coke bottle glasses on my eyes and got the clothes that I was going to wear. And you have these four staffs for the four directions and then three other staffs that represent other aspects of this tradition. 
and go up onto the mountain. And um, you go into the sweat lodge, and then in that sweat lodge, they take you through this ceremony to prepare you, and then you make your compromise for your four years. You make the commitment for four years. So another beautiful thing in surrender, having no idea what I'm getting myself into. I don't get to try it on for the first year and then decide if I want to come back. I make a full-on commitment before I go up go up to, to Quest. And then I'm, I'm guided... Um, up in silence without eye contact up to the place where they have selected that I'll be planted. And I'm going to say it's about 10 feet by 10 feet. And it's me and a tree. And they put, the, they put four of the, 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 the staffs with these flags on them on the corners. And then they take the prayers, the, the rezos that, I, that are my prayers of my life, of my ancestry, of my future generation, of my life in these moments. And they string it around multiple times. And it becomes like the the fence in which I sit for four days and four nights and there's no one else around and the medicine woman says a few words to me and I can make eye contact only with her and then they leave. Wow. And she tells me to pray very, very hard. Those are the last words she says to me. And I have, oh. a, I have a sheepskin and a feather for my prayers and a wool blanket and that's what I have and my clothes on my back. No synthetics. No Gore-Tex, no down jacket. I have a wool shawl, and I'm layered in my cotton T-shirts and tank tops and cotton pants that I brought that I was sleeping in because I just didn't have any. (laughs) I didn't even know that was going to be the case. So no synthetics, and they say goodbye, and they go. And so over Easter... When my family is here in the Midwest, my Catholic upbringing is, my Catholic roots are having a big Easter dinner, I'm fasting for -hmm. those four days and four nights in silence. And all I hear is in the wee early mornings, I hear drumming and chanting and good morning to me and those of us who are planted on the mountain because the people on the camp, the remaining 60 or 70 people are drumming and having their rattles and chanting in Spanish. And then as the sun is setting... I hear the I, I hear the good night from them, um, and that is that is my only connection, and it's very far off in the distance. Wow! So I mainly hear the drumming only, and so that's that's where I am for four days and four nights in silence, in my prayers, and and again I want to say that. One of the reasons I wanted to do that to do this is because I was like, who who's going to show up? Like, who's really going to show up when, you know, when this, excuse me, I'll just, when the shit hits the fan. When you've got nothing, when you've got nothing and no one but you and the elements, who's going to show up? Is it going to be the princess? (laughs) Because she lives in me. (laughs) The one who likes things a certain way. Is is it going to be the child who totally crumbles and loses it and needs to be taken care of? Is it going to be, am I going to get angry? Like, who's going to show up? And Was it I all of those? Who, say that again. Was it all of those that it showed was, up uh, over the four days? You know, a little bit, but mainly I, I will say it was my essential nature. It was the silence. <laughs> All those things showed up and then left and showed up and then left, you know, but in brief spells, because I knew 
that I needed to deeply connect to the golden uh, essence of wisdom in order to get me through. And, and I did call, before I went up on the mountain, I called a few of my mentors back in the United States. I, you know, escaped camp, <laughs> not escaped, but went away. We weren't, you know, we could, had no cell service, had no internet, of course, went away, had no electricity. So I went away and I found this high point on the mountain where I'd heard that if you absolutely had an emergency, you could call. And I felt like going up on the mountain was an emergency for me. So I contacted um, a couple of my mentors and I said, what, here's what's happening. Feed me when you eat. Feed me when, mm. dr- drink for me when you drink. And when you pray, keep me on that mountain. Do not mm. let me come down. Because I could have walked down at any time. I had the mm. free will to just walk back into camp. Mm. So um, those were my prayers before I went up there. And who I found is who we all are in the core of our core. We are whole. We are complete. We are enough as is. We are more powerful than the most powerful. We are everything we ever, dream, we ever dreamed we are, and we are nothing that we could have ever possibly dreamed we are. We are the emptiness mm. and the fullness. Mm. And that's who I found, and that's who I continue to feel in the moments when all of those other aspects of myself self still show up. I didn't come off of that mountain enlightened. I mean, let me tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm still facing my stuff as a human being in this life by all means. My fears, my struggles, my weaknesses, they're all, all that is still there. But I know that who I am beneath um, masks and hats and my history is whole and is holy. And I know that... We are all that. And I saw that with every single one of us who quested and every single one of us who came down um, after those four days and some came down after seven or nine or 13 days. I watched and witnessed that brilliance, that wholeness. Wow. But I think, you know, and I, I think it's this, it's like I, I stepped in, I created my own Holocaust in, in mm-hmm. some, you know, I, I say that with deep reverence, having never been, you know, in, in that type of setting, but I, or my own war, if you will, my own prison, if you will, because I wanted to see, I, I just wanted to see who I was, and I realized that who I was is who you are, and who everyone is when when we keep shedding who we are not. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is really the epitome of unbecoming. You know, right. one of my favorite words because we're so conditioned in this lifetime and we're always trying to meet the requirement that has been put upon us becoming that which we are told to become. Right. And um, it is only when we are silent, that we are able to just start to decipher the truth of, wait a minute, who am I? What, what, what do I really want to manifest? And that is the unbecoming of what we are 
told to become. Right. And I don't I don't think one can get there without silence. And you know, we're talking about a major quest here, a four-day isolation and forest quest. But I'm saying to people out there often, take five to ten minutes a day and just get silent. We don't even have to call it meditation. Let's right. just call it let's just call it silence. You will be blown away by what you are able to hear within that silence. And it's so interesting to me that if I were to do four days like you did, I I can't imagine that foundational truth that you're describing that's got to come through because that is where silence will take you is to truth. And so, so go there, people try it, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, go to silence, because that will be one of those guides, like your body, that will give you precious information that won't be able to get through if there's noise and comfort and chaos and distraction and technology. And, um, you know, I, I encourage each person to just start a 10-minute quiet ritual every day and see what happens. Yeah, pre-caffeine, I'll say, because there's a huge difference. You know, having your coffee or tea in the morning and then going into silence is not the same. That's like finding silence when a jackhammer is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. going outside your window. There's something really powerful. I'm not saying don't drink your caffeine if that's something that's part of your daily ritual, but go to that silence Go to that silence first. You know, and there's also little ways. You know, this is not for everyone. My brother, I just got back from the Midwest, and he has a great sense of humor, but in his sort of humorous and yet relatively serious way, he he was like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) This was... It's not his path. It's it's not, it, you know, some people look at me and they're like, what the heck? And I say, okay, not your path, no problem. But maybe you have the means or the time to go away for 12 hours, 24 hours, 18 hours, walk on the beach, you know, go spend the night somewhere when you know a, a loved one of yours is not going to be in their home. Offered a house that with no technology, no television, no internet, no cell phone. Leave your cell phone in the car. Take that silence. Journal. Take a bath. Listen to music even. And just reclaim your, in, your, your indigenous nature. I mean, the word indigenous comes from... We talk about these these indigenous cultures. Indigenous means soul made, and it is. It's like what is wanting to come through you. There's the life that we're living, and there is a life that is longing to be lived through you. And bringing those two together, I find is is where the nectar is. It's where the the, the juice is. It's where it's why I believe that Gandhi and Mother Teresa only needed four hours of sleep a night, you know, as the stories go, because they were so plugged in that the life that they were living and the life that wanted to move through them that was connected to something that was so much bigger than them, call it whatever you want, was able to move to move through. And I'll say, you know, what you said about the unbecoming, the way that the ancient yogic teachings, you know, returning to that, because that's a big part of my essence, there's a... There's a teaching around this where becoming is a disease. 
you know, I'm becoming this, I'm becoming that, I'm going to become more educated or more peaceful or I'm going to become a better yoga practitioner, I'm going to become a better cook or I'm going to become more patient. Nonsense. You are loved and whole and complete as you are and just continuing to release our need to be anything other than we are right here. And it's not about staying exactly as we are. It's about recognizing that that longing to be something other than we are is the answer. It is the magnetism that draws us back to our true nature, to our wholeness. Yeah. So I'm just so right there with you. <laughs> well, and, and I also want to just add to that because the becoming, the becoming is what takes you further and further and further and further and further and further away from the nectar. So. Yeah. It's okay if you, the listener, have realized, oh my gosh, I've been trying to do so many things that are not aligned with my true self. That happens to all of us where, again, something stops us in our tracks and says, wait a minute, my soul is trying to say to me something that I couldn't hear until this very second. Right. So all of that is is very much this kind of propaganda of being incarnated at this moment in time where, you know, you're going to be seduced into thinking that if you become this or you become that or you acquire this or you acquire that, you will be, quote, happier. It is the opposite. It is the opposite. The nectar is the opposite of that. So the unbecoming is the true yearning, the true interior of who you are. And she or he is there no matter what. It's just whether or not you choose to meet her or him within yourself. And so that is this just beautiful invitation to you as the listeners to just go quiet or as, you know, Britt said, take a bath. Don't bring the phone. Play music. You know, I, I started my meditation work um, in, in a very devout way in 2010, and it was all because of an article I read, Norman Fisher, if any of you are interested in starting what we would call a meditation practice, but please don't let that word intimidate. Norman Fisher has the most beautiful article called How to Get Started. You know, and that's all you have to do is get started. And and we're all on the path. As Britt's saying, we're all the same. So yeah. wherever we start, it's just a, it's a beautiful beginning. It's 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 not comparative. It's simply starting. So mm-hmm. if you're if you want to just get started and you feel like that's what you need, please Google Norman Fisher how to get started and you'll read the article that set me on my path of silence. And I wouldn't know what to do without it. I have to have it every day. It's it's my juice. So I want to ask you, Britt, when you say, I want to go back to what you said that was very powerful about the death and then the rebirth. So I want you to help us all with the death part. Because I think that's probably what scares a lot of people. If I face this, if I look at this, if I, if I, if I really pay attention to what isn't working, it'll just be too hard. So take us through the death, mm-hmm. whatever that may mean for anyone listening. Mm-hmm. Well, I I first feel that uh, it's it's worthy of mentioning that I really you know we often talk about the life death cycle. It's really a life-death-life cycle, I find, where 
I have to go through maybe little deaths, <laughs> like stopping drinking caffeine or something bigger, like uh, stopping eating sugar or stopping gossiping or whatever it is, uh, stopping complaining. You know, I have to, I have to go through those little deaths of, of, of habits or what we call in yoga samskaras, these deep impressions. Like the Grand Canyon is a really deep impression. We have those in our own psyche. We are the way that we are. We've come to all of those ways, honestly. And so when we recognize those and when we, when we finally learn of them, when we start to pay attention, it is my experience that when we pay attention, what comes up isn't always delicious. It's like you said, sometimes the voice of the, the body is illness. Sometimes the voice of the body is back injury or, or back pain. It's not always delicious, but if we can shift the lens through which we see it, and instead of going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, and resisting it, if we can be open, if we can even offer non-resistance to the resistance, hmm. then we find that what happens is we begin to see these messages as energetic messengers. And I taught yoga before, before this interview this morning, and what, what I was realizing is it's like a leaf falling and the autumn leaves falling from the trees. When the leaf leaves the tree, it's not an offense to the tree. And it doesn't make the leaf better or lesser than because it's falling. We take this right and wrongness, this black and whiteness, this good and badness or red and blueness, and we bring it to a place where it's sacred and it's energy in motion. And so we're able then to see a message that comes through. We're able to see when something is dying or when something feels dead to us already, a job, a life, a relationship, a way of being, a home that we've been living in, whatever it is. We see that and we're able to look at it and say, oh, okay, amen. Like, can I have an amen to have that information so I now... I now know what I didn't know before, and now I can make a conscious choice around it. So first, it's the acceptance and the realization that what we have perceived in the past as bad or undesirable is very valuable and is to be celebrated. Oh my gosh, it's so wonderful that I now have this information that I didn't know moments before about myself, about others, about the world. And so now I can choose in the direction of love and vitality, just like that leaf leaves the tree, just mm-hmm. like the East Indian cucumber vine releases the cucumber when it's ripe. It's not an offense to the tree or the vine, and it's not putting one thing above the other. It's just recognizing that it's time, just like in nature, there's a death that's happening. We are entering into the season of death in the Pacific Northwest. If you look around, my flowers don't look like they looked in the beginning of July. They're yeah. dying, and there is a beauty in that if we can see it. So the way I see it is it's about living through the death. How yeah. can I stay alive to the death? And the way yeah. that I know to do that, Laura, and the way that I teach it and share it is it is about extreme self-care. Mm. It is about 
awakening to all of the senses. What do I feel in my skin? What am I tasting? What am I seeing? What am I hearing? And how do I care for myself in all of these ways? And not denying. No denying. denying. No denying. Witnessing. Yeah. Yeah. Being with it. Being with our own being with the death that is naturally going... I mean, my goodness, women out there, I, we're, we, are going, we are all mourning our youth at some point. We all mourn... I've never had children, but we all mourn our mothering years. You know, children go away to college or whatever it is that they do, they grow up, we, we, we mourn... There's, those are deaths. Can yeah. we celebrate those deaths and open ourselves to what is, what is now alive and can move through us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and denying none of it. Mourn what needs to be mourned. In that silence, we can mourn it. I cannot tell you over the course of this past year how many times I have wept in the forest in which I live, how many times I have gone for a long walk to breathe in the air, to feel what's happening in my body and drop to my knees as I've had a realization of what no longer is alive in my life. Yeah. And, and there's yeah. a mantra that, um, it's so simple. It's namaha, namaha, namaha. And it's in, in that, literally, it means in the name of the divine, this is not mine. I give it back to the ultimate giver. I let it go, I release it to the one that has given me everything I have ever gotten in my life. Everything, good, bad, indifferent, painful, celebratory, all of it. May I give it back. May I give it back. Because the one who gave it to me will take it back and say, yes, my child. (laughs) Yes, my beautiful creation. I take it. So I give it back to the earth, just like the tree gives the leaves back. Mm. Well, and and you're... Please. Please. Oh, I wanted you to finish because it's so profound the way you're describing this death. Please say what you were going to say. I give it back. Yeah, I give it back to the ultimate giver, the one who has given me everything, because that is the one who will receive it. You know, a little version of that is like the mama takes the sucker that the kid doesn't want, that the child has dropped on the floor, is just finished with. The mama takes it with no... No question. Yes, yes, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll hold that for you. You know, that's what the mama does. And so too does Mama Earth. It can hold it. And so when we give it, you know, nature is one of the most, if not the most powerful healer to hold everything. Because you came from nature, all the waters in your body, all the bones in your body, you're made of the same minerals and waters that are of this earth. And we will all be returned to the earth as the leaf is composted into the earth when it falls from the tree. That will happen to us too. And we can do it in our many deaths throughout our life, the cycles of our life, the relationships, the jobs the friendships that don't serve anymore, whatever it is, going through a bankruptcy, an illness, a diagnosis, a loss of a limb, an accident, whatever, those are all the same in lesser and greater degrees. Namaha, namaha, namaha. I give it back. Mm. Namaha, namaha, namaha. Namaha. You know, I'm thinking of this leaf 
visually. And what I really love about that idea visually is that it is only when that leaf falls to the ground that all of a sudden you'll walk by that tree and you'll see this new little green awakening that's coming out that that tree that fell gives room for. And so often when I work with individuals, I will say, what do you need to clear in order to create space for that which is wanting to come through? And that's just, that's like a beautiful little death of something that is holding on, that is inside, that is so fearful to go. But it's time. It's time to go. And it's okay. Yeah. And and with that exit and with that death, there will be that beautiful little green, awakened, hopeful, sprouting, opening and portal within you, the listener, that then gets to grow something and create something that is aligned with your authentic self at that moment in your journey, whatever the season may be. But you yeah. can't get that green until you let that which needs to fall away, to fall away. And that can be very painful for people to really honor within their lives, but it's it's really worth it as a takeaway to think about after this incredibly rich dialogue, which, by the way, has felt like three seconds. And I can't mm-hmm. believe my, my producer just said, three minutes till you have to close. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, that can't be for me, but it is. So I want everyone, Britt, to know how to work with you virtually because you've created this incredible virtual world um, with your teachings. And I'd like to give you you. the chance to tell others about it. Um, We air all over the world and I want people to know that they can have access to you wherever they may be. Wonderful. So I will say my website is Britt, B-R-I-T-T, the letter B, Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E.com. You can find me that way. And in, in, right in alignment with this conversation, there's a pop-up uh, right away that gives you the opportunity to enter your email and then to receive um, essentially five things that will change your yoga practice, and none of them are asanas. And I'll say yoga is it's, it's like living, living in alignment more than anything. So it, it, that's a great way to get on my email list to begin. And then I have a couple of things that are uh, that are worthy of mention. One, we're on day 10 of 108 Days of Pilgrim. You can still join if you want to, and you can find that information under Experience, and it's under Pilgrim. And that uh, you could catch up quite easily if this moves you and you want to be a part of that journey. Secondarily, once you're on my email list, there's two things that are happening. I'm offering a program beginning in January called Throb. <laughs> And it's all about these self-care practices and how we awaken and align with our soul through the art of self-care, through this extreme dedication to self-love so that what we share with the world can be more potent and brilliant. And then I'm also launching into uh, doing one-on-one integration work with individuals so that we, um, those individuals that prefer the one-on-one path will be able to do so as well. So you can email me, Britt, at BrittBSteel.com if you're interested in any of those specifically. And if you just get on my email list, that's a great way to go. And one other thing, I have a, a collaborating on a trip to Italy in um, 
April, and that can also be found on the Experience tab of my website. So it's all there. Just get on the email list, and you'll you'll get it all. And there's a tab on my website that's free stuff. There's asana practices and meditations and all sorts of things. So just getting in the know and following me on Instagram, Britt B. Steele, will get you anything and everything that, that you want and need in relationship to this this type of work. I say come if you're called. Mm. Britt, thank you. And um, all mm-hmm. of us at Feel Good Naked Radio, hold your hand in gratitude and thank you. And, and really what you're living is the epitome of the tagline of you complete you. So mm-hmm. thank you, Britt, for you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I love you, Laura, and the work you're doing is profound. It's an, it's an honor to walk with you and all of the listeners. Thank you for the time. And I love you, too. Thank you. (laughs) Om. (laughs) Om. Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us live again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.